0: Hello and welcome to the Beyond Resilience Life Podcast, a show about life adversity, how to overcome it and transform your life. This is your host, Dr. Lidiana Garcia, a licensed psychologist in Los Angeles, California. And even though my hope is to deliver information that can be helpful for you, to overcome adversity and transform your life, it is not meant to be a substitute for being diagnosed and treated by a licensed mental health, medical, and related professional. Hi everyone and welcome to another great episode. Today I have the honor and privilege to interview Cindy Luquín. Is that how you pronounce your mm-hmm. name? Luquín. Luquín. Mm-hmm. Let me just say it in Spanish, Luquín. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and she's an expert in fertility and womb and anything about women's health, I would say, like in general. So I'm so happy to here. And today we're going to talk about fertility and how to enhance it and to build resiliency into it. So mm-hmm. welcome.
1: No, thank you. I'm so honored to be here. I'm excited. I know it's been a while. We've been wanting to connect. So I'm excited. This is finally coming to reality. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited. And thank
0: you for your availability to be with us. So let's start with this. So can you tell us a little bit about you, your work? What brings you joy?
1: Oh, okay. Mm. That's actually, that's a good one. It's mm. the first time I've ever heard that. Yeah. <laughs> made me yeah. think already. Okay, so I first got started with my own experience. So in case anybody's new that doesn't already follow me, I had been taking the pill for six years. And after that, around I'd say year four, I started feeling pain. I was a college student, I didn't have insurance, so I just went to La Clinica, right? The the health clinic student center. Was given pain medications. Well, after that, I graduated, got into my career, which was at the time translating and interpreting more in the healthcare setting. And then I moved transition into public education. Then I was able to go to the doctor feeling pain, was now missing work for like two weeks at a time. And finally got some tests done. Luckily, I got an x-ray and um, an ultrasound. That's when they discovered that I had a grapefruit cyst on my right ovary and a smaller one on my left ovary. And when I finally got the diagnosis, I asked them like, oh, you know, I've been taking the pill for like six years. Do you think that contributed? And they said, well, there's always a risk. There's always a possibility. And that's the first time I had ever heard that the pill could in some way like alter that part of my body or have some effect in that way because nobody ever explains those things to you. Anyway, fast forward, I had a a surgery. It's a bilateral ophorectomy. Just basically, they removed the ovary because the cyst was just too big. It had consumed the ovary. Our ovaries are only the size of like almonds, really. So imagine a grapefruit next to an almond. Like, there's no way, right? Wow. So, that's um, good.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: So I had it removed. And after that, I luckily for me, my case, my cycles returned. They didn't skip the beat. So that was good. And then I went post surgery and they were like, okay, well, you're healing well. You can go back on the pill.
0: Oh my God, seriously?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I was like, wait, isn't that what brought me here in the first place? Why are you telling me this? They're like, no, no, it can help shrink any new potential cysts that can grow on your existing ovary. And I said, no, like I literally lost an organ and you're telling me to go back on the medication that like caused this. Right. And they were like, no, it's going to be fine. So then at that point I just realized like, I'm going to have to find something for myself. And that kind of led me down the road that I'm on now. I am a fertility awareness educator. I started looking at the books. I really dedicated myself. I had a conversation with my husband, like, hey, we're not planning to conceive, but I really cannot just, I cannot take medication anymore. Like, look what happened, you know? So that was an interesting conversation. And he was like, okay. And I said, no, this is science. Like, I'm going to learn this, you know, our bodies know what they're doing. Yeah. And then I I just, I became so fascinated and I felt so liberated learning this information about my body that I wanted to start teaching other people, especially in our Latinx community.
0: Mm, so, so important.
1: Our journeys, right? They always mm-hmm. kind of guide us. So I'm glad that you were able to find some
0: answers and you're in this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So now I, you know, this is really my, I feel like this is my purpose. I look back and I'm like, I was so disconnected from that part of myself. And I think a lot of people are. And had this not happened, I mean, obviously, it's not the ideal. But had this not happened, I would not have woken up to like, Oh, no, this is this is real. Like this is connecting with that part of yourself. And then that kind of led me into other things of like, now I teach about reproductive justice, I advocate for that. And I'm an activist in that. My graduate program, it was Latin American studies, but my research is heavily on reproductive justice and like looking, reimagining sex ed, because I think the message is always, especially for like women of color, it's abstinence. And if you choose anything other than the pill, you're seen as being irresponsible. And I feel like that's such a harmful narrative that we've carried for so many generations. So I'm trying to figure out different ways to change that direction, you know? Yeah, I was told the message of the pill, but <laughs> that
0: imaginative pill that you put within your knees and you just leave it there. Yeah. Don't open your legs. Don't open yeah. Message.
1: Exactly. The abstinence is like the only way, but that's one thing that I'm finding in this field, and it's still such an old school way. Like even within fertility awareness, it's like the A word, right? Abstinence and People that tell you that they're abstinent, that are with a partner, obviously having sex, they're lying. They're lying because I lied, (laughs) you know? And just figuring out, and that's fine. That's okay. Like you want to have sex with this person and that's okay. Like that's natural and hopefully it's healthy, but let's figure out a different way than not just tell you, well, don't have sex during this this time. Like, no, let's figure out other ways, you know?
0: For those of you that might be like, What about the joy part? So let me just bring it back (laughs) in terms of what brings you joy.
1: Mm. You know, I love being in nature. Yeah, nature has always been a big part of my life. I've been finding myself reaching more and, and secluding myself more in nature. I love being with plants. It's interesting because we have a hummingbird that just nested on our balcony. And oh I'm like, God. oh my God, that's so beautiful, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So things like that really bring me joy. Speaking with people that are really wanting to bring change in this world, like positive change, building healthier relationships with my family, just really taking the time to connect because I think we all come from, obviously, I mean, you're a specialist in this. You're an expert. It's, we come from a lot of traumas. And, like, just learning new ways of, like, I don't want to operate the same way we have before. How can we, like, move away from all this toxic behavior? What else? I love pizza. (laughs) Oh, my God. The other day,
0: I was, like, craving it so badly. (laughs) Yes.
1: You know, things like that. I I love going and having tea with some friends. Like, that's, I love that type of stuff. Yeah. Thank
0: you for sharing. So what are some of the most common problems people that see your service have in terms of fertility?
1: Mm, I've seen a lot of parents actually. So a lot of moms, they already have a child, a young child, and they don't want to go back on the pill or any type of hormonal contraceptive. So they're struggling and finding many obstacles to get this information and practically apply it to like their real life, you know? Um, it's nice for what I've seen in this space, it's nice to say like, oh, you know, just take your temperature, set your alarm at the same time every day, live in sync with your cycle. Like that's all really great. I love that. You know, don't get me wrong, like feminists all the way. Let's do that. Realistically though, if you're a parent, you just can't. There's real, you know, you have your attention on this little human and yeah, give them your attention. So then how do we make this applicable to your life. And I think just breaking it down into, into real steps and short enough steps to not like, I think the approach has always been, again, from my observation, it's like, okay, we're gonna go on a webinar and it's gonna be like two hours long, but like realistically not many people have that time. So let's break it down into real bite sizes where you can get a lot of the information right away and just apply it. And then just being like more willing to have like a, what I always say, like your toolkit at home say for example just to make it easier for yourself like you know how you set up your environment like the same thing would I think would apply for this and involve your family you know involve your partner involve your children I mean they're gonna learn they'll be like oh okay mom's like checking for this or my parents checking for that and they're having this conversation I think just teaching them about these real things about reproductive health and sexuality and sexual health is just going to prepare them more so that way they don't have to go through all these obstacles that we so often find ourselves in.
0: And what are some of the recommendations that you provide them?
1: So I always ask them questions first, like realistically, what is your goal? Like what is your fertility goal? And then what is your, for example, I teach the symptothermal method. So what that means is like we're checking our, our cervical fluid. For anybody that doesn't know, it's usually the discharge. That's usually what's commonly referred to as, and we take our basal body temperature. Now I always ask parents, do you co-sleep? Because a lot of different raising children, different styles. If you're gonna co-sleep, then maybe having a regular thermometer where you wake up at the same time every day is not gonna be the best for you because co-sleeping I don't know that life, but I could imagine it just like take some time. You're not exactly on the same schedule or you'd like to be and it just doesn't work out with small children. So then I recommend another device. Like I use the temp drop, which is something you, you that's wearable around your arm. You don't have to worry about waking up at the same time every day. It's like a bracelet that continuously checks your... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's newer. It's I think it's more affordable than the other fertility tracking devices that I've seen out there that are like close to $300. Um that's another thing I asked too, like what are you looking for budget-wise? Are you looking for something more affordable? If that's the case and you just want something right away, then go to Target, they have a basal body temperature thermometer and get start getting used to doing just that one thing first instead of trying to do all the steps right away because so if you're trying to track your body temperature and your cervical fluid all at once, it's just going to be overwhelming for you. And I think just slowing down and having practical steps or even just recognizing, okay, today I'm on cycle day one or I'm on cycle day seven and getting used to like, I know what day I'm on and now I'm checking the symptoms that I'm feeling for that day. And there's
0: so many apps. Do you have a favorite one to track it or just hand Mm -hmm. and paper?
1: Yeah, well, I mean that too, like, What does the person prefer? Are they going to be more, are they going to maintain or be consistent with paper charting or are they going to be more consistent with the convenience of having an app? And if they have an app, then I always recommend the Kindara app because that one you can enter in manually. Now, when we get into period apps, I always tell people to proceed with caution because a lot of the period apps are basically like a digital rhythm method. You know, it's, it's just assuming that everybody has 28-day cycles. And with those 28 days, it's also the assumption that you ovulate on day 14. And depending on what your fertility goal is, that could really mess up a lot of people. And it has, you know, yes. ov-
0: I know some people, yeah.
1: <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah, so they're like, wait, I mean like
0: in day eight, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, so with those, I always say like proceed with caution because any app that's only asking you to enter when you're menstruating and nothing else, it's not really giving you an accurate reading or results that you would want. Okay, and the app you mentioned is the Kindara? hmm K-I, like that? Yeah, K-I-N-D-A-R-A. Okay. Cool. Mm -hmm.
0: And what about for the ones that are trying to
1: conceive?
0: I mean, I know any extra recommendations as well.
1: Yeah, so if you're trying to conceive, I definitely recommend, I always say drink more water because it's so simple. But like, think about the cervical fluid is mostly made of water. And if you're trying to conceive, you want a lot more of that, right? When it's that fertile time because. That's actually what sperm survive in. That's where they travel. That's like their little transporting mechanism to get to the egg and to fertilize. So I always get that. I also recommend trying to eat in a healthier way. I don't like to use terms like clean and all of that, you know, but people like that's where we're at now. I'm just trying to eat better, you know, recognizing when things that don't feel good in your body, for example, um, definitely eat more uh, nutrient-dense foods um you're going to want to eat a lot more things that have folate, minerals, vitamins. And by any means I'm not a nutritionist, but I'm just saying like these are the building blocks to have a healthy pregnancy. You want folate cuz folate is really what you need to sustain a pregnancy. You want a lot of those types of vitamins because you want you want to have uh, enough progesterone because that's going to sustain your pregnancy. That's going to prevent be a preventative measure at least to to miscarry or, or uh, pregnancy loss. So those things I think can be to help you at least on the right path to approaching pregnancy differently than our abuelitas and our moms did because, you know, they didn't think about it. None of us, I can say, were planned. At least I was not. <laughs> and My siblings weren't either. So we live in different times and I think we can approach, and I have seen that a lot of us in this generation are approaching Pregnancy more consciously, you know.
0: Yeah, and this whole fertility journey for many, because I we were just talking right before I hit recording about how I know so many women in my circle
1: mm-hmm.
0: that have issues with conceiving. Mm-hmm. And I remember when you know when I was in this journey back in the days, I never heard of that. Like I never heard when I was a teenage teenager, I never heard of anyone struggling with that. And I mean, mm-hmm. nobody likes to talk about that. So that's another right of it but in general it was not even considered as a something normal or common mm-hmm. within my friends i've seen many that have had troubles and then they go in the fertility
1: business Ooh, mm-hmm. yeah it's fertility very, treatments that's another it's a whole other
0: expensive
1: yeah it is it's a whole other world like you're learning things that you've never learned you're putting your body through so much stress emotionally, financially, physically, not only yourself, but with your partner, it's a whole different dynamic, different world. And having somebody that can guide you is definitely important. Important. And
0: thank you for sharing those little nuggets that I feel like they're not necessarily places that you can find, like simple things like water, Mm -hmm. the whole folate and progesterone and, you know, how to prevent also miscarriages. Because a lot of, again, the industry is like in the general, And doctors, they just don't see you until you're at least eight weeks in general. And mm-hmm. then, <clears throat> you know, they don't start kind of anything until, you know, after your past. And within yeah. those two months, it's when a lot of the miscarriages happen. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's very true.
0: And there's nothing like you just go. I remember because in Puerto Rico it's different. Over there, they rely more on the blood test to kind of make sure that you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. First time I was pregnant, I, I was here, and I, at that time I had Kaiser, and I'm like, okay, I did like the home test. And then I went yeah. to Kaiser, and then they did another, like an urine test, and I'm like, that's it? No blood test? <laughs> and yeah. then will not see you until week eight, and I'm like, what does it, you know, what can I do? In the, and it's so confusing. And I am mm. like. Oh,
1: Puerto in Puerto Rico, Rico, is it like as soon as you find out you're pregnant, they put you on a plan? Or is it? It's more. Is it eight weeks away, like here? I think it's
0: still nowadays, it's still eight weeks. Okay. As they do the blood test. They don't rely on an urine test. So I was oh, always, okay. saying, Don't rely on an urine test because that's not reliable. Mm. The blood test is the one that will check your levels. Levels, but you probably know that will let you know the hormone that makes you know mm-hmm. like, that you're mm-hmm. pregnant. And after that, like I don't, you know, because I was never pregnant there. But as far as I know now, I hear my friends that are pregnant there that they still are being seen. Week six, week eight. Okay. Yeah. So, because they're adapted, you know, they're US. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah. They mm-hmm. adopted a lot of things. But but I don't know how it was before with my abuela, because she had. Yeah. A, you know.
1: Yeah. Same here. I know. Maybe okay. These are conversations we can ask them, you know. Yeah. For a mama or someone
0: that is looking to conceive that it's in that journey. And he's struggling and there's so many different conflicting messages. That's the other part that is so hard. Like they go to this doctor and they recommend something, they go to this other one. What do you in general recommend to manage their emotions and
1: what's going on? I think it always comes down to like in our community, speaking Latinx, right? We have always believed that the doctors is the ultimate authority and we don't question them, right? And I'm not saying that we need to be aggressive when we question them, but like having, you know, genuine questions and tuning into what feels safe for you. Like, I think this is where we get into this dynamic of how like white supremacy plays out in the medical field. And it's set up that way where we, we place all the authority on the doctors and we don't question, but then at the same time, there's not this relationship that's built on like consent. And I think that totally needs to just exist in the medical field because it hasn't for so long. And We see what happened in Puerto Rico, like the women were, were experiments for the pill and sterilization. You know, we don't talk about those things. Here in LA, that happened to Mexican-American immigrants too, you know? And I think just for anybody that's looking for a team that can help support them on their fertility journey is paying attention to the signs of like, what is a healthy relationship between you and these medical providers? Because ultimately, it's like, it's your health, it's your body, it's your life. And seeing if the person is willing to be flexible and working with you, I think is a really big sign of like, okay, this is a healthy space that I can move into. And if they don't, and they just try to like overpower you and not hear you, then maybe that's a sign that you should go somewhere else.
0: And that it's so hard because a lot of the specialists (laughs) Mm -hmm. are, you know, can have Mm -hmm. a little bit of that flavor.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's totally understandable. You know, like it's just hard enough in general, especially if you have like a certain network like Kaiser, like all of us do. It's just so limited, you know.
0: Yeah. And also then these other ones that you might find and they're usually out of network and then Mm -hmm. very expensive and all Mm -hmm. those kind of things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, for at least my uh, clients and, and the resources that I provide, I try to provide them with a network of other practitioners that I trust. And I say, hey, you might you know, want to go down this road, or you might want to try this acupuncturist who focuses specifically on fertility. If you don't have the means to go down the fertility treatment route yet, or you want to try other alternatives before going to that as a last resort, because making that type of decision is not de repente, you know, like it takes time to get to that place. Like, okay, we've tried everything. Like now we're going to go down this reproductive medicine road.
0: And what are usually your go-to besides acupuncture? Um, I'll do
1: acupuncture. Uh, Mayan abdominal massage is good too. Going with somebody who knows and has practiced that for a really long time. It's my abdominal massage is really good, especially if somebody has not experienced a cycle. So I see a lot of people that have like PCOS, you know, things like that, just like really long cycles where they don't have menstruation for long periods of time. And for me, what I think when I see that or when I hear those things, I think, okay, we need to get circulation to that area. Because there's not, if you're not bleeding, that means that your uterus is not contracting. We, a lot of times we think like contractions only happen when we're giving birth. But we've experienced many contractions all our lives when we're menstruating. It's just at a smaller degree. So for me, it's like there's not circulation going on there. So getting some blood flowing and circulation and warmth to that area could be really helpful. Also, vaginal steaming has become more like mainstream now. And that's a traditional practice that has been done all over the world uh, different periods of time by different communities so looking into that too I wouldn't recommend doing it yourself because a lot of people can burn burn themselves you know or like not know the right herb combination for what you might be specifically dealing with but yeah those are usually the ones that I go to also
0: yeah this is really helpful yes for people that are in that journey. And then for the moms or people that don't want to rely, what do what are you usually so like checking your temperature? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, so I always go back to that, because just having the knowledge of what's known as body literacy, really just understanding what your fertility signs are and what they mean, can really give you so much information. And that's your own personal data. Like if later on you say, okay, I've been doing this, right? and I've been tracking, I've been seeing a pattern, and I'm not seeing sustained uh, hormone levels, or, or, you know, I'm not bleeding, I'm not having a normal cycle. I would say then you can take that information and go to a fertility specialist or fertility clinic and be like, hey, like, I use this natural method. Is it possible to use this in conjunction with the fertility treatments that you're going to put me on? Because it's still good to use our natural cycles. I understand that not everybody has the ability to because it's tricky with artificial reproductive technology, right? But I think that it would have a much higher success rate because even when you go get fertility treatments, like you, there's no guarantee that the first round is going to be successful. Actually, it's more common that it's not. And you go for multiple rounds that's more money, that's more stress, that's more taking your time out of work because the appointments are always timed, like you have to go and get egg retrieval and those types of things. So it really will change your life overall.
0: Yes, thank you for all this information. Is there any kind of book or resource or website that you recommend for people starting to learn this thing?
1: Mm-hmm. A book that I definitely recommend is called Period Repair Manual. It's uh, by Laura Bryden. It's a really good book. It's comprehensive. It doesn't go in depth with body literacy, but it does give you, because she's a naturopath. So she gives you more of her perspective on like uh, cycle issues. If you have PCOS, if you're experiencing endometriosis, if you just haven't had a cycle in, in for so long, or you have a heavy flow, like all these different things from her, from her expertise can be really helpful. For fertility awareness, I definitely recommend the book. It's called The Fifth Vital Sign. It's newer. She's also a fertility awareness educator, and she just gives a lot of really great information, especially for people who are preparing for conceiving or taking on that fertility journey. It, that one's just really good, and it's also available on audiobooks, So if oh, anybody wants to listen to it, it's it's on Amazon. I've listened to it too, so it's good. Thank you.
0: Hmm? There's this buzz around, or maybe it's because I follow a lot of alternative and holistic practitioners on my Instagram. Sometimes I feel like that's what everybody's seeing, but not necessarily, but about the seed cycling. So,
1: Okay. Yeah. So my thing is like seed cycling, it sounds really cool, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. I always ask questions to people that I work with. It's like, okay, have you tried these seeds before? Do you even like the taste? First of all. If you don't like the taste, now you're going to have, do you even have the budget to buy these seeds? Because a lot of these seeds are expensive too. Like, even though you buy them in bulk, like it's expensive. And are you going to be consistent with actually using them when you're supposed to? Because if you're not, then you're just going to be at home with a bunch of seeds that you're (laughs) never going to use, you know? And so like just those realistic factors to ask yourself, I always say like, Just be real with yourself. Like, is that something? And I don't always recommend it to people either because that's making the assumption that everybody needs that and not necessarily because if somebody has PCOS, for me, what I see is like, okay, that means that you have a lot of estrogen and I'm not going to give you seeds because a lot of those seeds are already just like estrogen, phytoestrogens, what they're known as phytoestrogens. So you're putting estrogen on on top of estrogen. and It's not going to serve you. It's not going to help you get closer to your goal. Actually,
0: and then there's this whole illnesses and disease that they're resulting as a as an over or having extra estrogen. They're even mm-hmm. saying a lot of the breast cancers and mm-hmm. and having like a difficulty losing the weight in your belly, like having you know all those yeah, yeah. of estrogen problem.
1: yeah mm-hmm. yeah. And I have a lot of not a lot, but I've had a couple of friends who are uh, cancer survivors, breast cancer survivors, and they've said, like, yeah, when, when I went through my treatment I was put on a lot more like plant based diet because a lot of the foods have hormones in them and you know, dairy has a lot of estrogen and that can mimic and do a lot of different things to your hormones. So definitely the science is there to back it up. It's not just like that's why I always say like don't take that information with a grain of salt and but apply it to your like real life, you know, seed cycling. Maybe cool but i know that i'm not gonna be consistent with it every day so
0: yeah i love how you're very into practicality and how to apply it for the person i'm very much into questioning a lot of these things as well <laughs> yes yeah, so. yeah yeah and how can people find you and learn more about you
1: so they can find me on instagram that's where i'm most active it's howl at the womb it's w o no sorry h-o-w-l-a-t-h-e <laughs> W O M B, and then my website is womb dot com. Um, it's all linked together, so you can yeah. find me there.
0: And oh, how did man. you come up with that name? Just curious.
1: So this one might be a little bit more on the spirituality side. Oh, cool. I, love that. Yeah. <laughs> I dream a lot. Came to find out later in life that not everybody remembers their dreams. It has right. like such intense, vivid dreams. So that whole name kind of came to me in a series of dreams where I saw my family members who had passed away. And, and I was just like, oh, it's interesting. So long story short, yeah, it just kind of came, I guess, intuitively, you know, wow. and, and I just I love it. went with it. And I said, OK, like, I don't even know what this is going to be. Let's just do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know?
0: yes. No, it's yeah. When I first saw it, the first piece I felt was more like that spirituality and indigenous aspect mm-hmm. and very empowering in a way. So,
1: yeah, yeah. And
0: over there, you offer information not only about fertility, but anything about Yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah. So my whole mission is really to break the taboo around sexual and reproductive health. And I want to elevate women of color through that work. It's all founded in reproductive justice, sustainability, wellness, all of that. And I'm working on creating online courses so people can get this information too, so they don't have to keep scouring through Google and try to make sense of piecing all of these things together. Cause that's what I'm finding. A lot of people have said and they feel defeated and then they don't do it.
0: Thank you for your work. And do you have anything coming up soon? Any program or service that you want to? I do.
1: Announce? Yeah. So I always recommend just signing up to the, my email list because that's where they're going to get the first announcement. So I'm working on an online course right now. Hopefully I'll get to launch it within a month or two. And yeah, just stay tuned for that. That's really in the direction I'm moving towards. And and I'll have local workshops. So I'm in LA and I'm working on that for probably the summer. And when this episode comes
0: out, as you're my listeners, are you listening? Probably the course is already out. So definitely look into it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And congrats for that. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us and for all this great information. I know I went a little bit into side notes, but I'm very into all of this too. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. and
1: no thank you this was great okay great so
0: thank you everybody for listening and we'll see i mean you guys will hear me next week take care thank you so much for listening to beyond with Students life podcast i'm so happy to have you here if you like this episode please make sure to review it and comment on it and share it with your friends and family until next time